Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Download the Caffeine TV app for free to watch the world-famous Savannah Bananas perform the greatest show in sports. The Banana Ball World Tour is live on Thursday, June 29th and Friday, June 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Wednesday episode of Flippin' Bats. We have a very, very special guest joining, Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. I grew up idolizing the guy, Baltimore Orioles. He was close to my hometown. A million stories I could talk to him about, and I'm going to try my best to get to all of them. Obviously, the Ironman streak, 2,632 games consecutive. All about that streak. If it and at any point he thought it was going to end or wanted out of the lineup, but just kept going because of the streak. Playing for his dad, playing with his brother, the famous baseball card that his brother is a part of. This is just an awesome conversation, and I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. Let's welcome in now Hall of Famer and 19-time All-Star Cal Ripken Jr. Fly ball onto the track at the wall. It's gone. Home run. Turns on a ball. Deep right field. And what a game. What a moment. All right. And I am so pumped now to welcome in Hall of Famer, two time MVP, 19 time All Star, eight silver sluggers. I could go on and on and on. Cal Ripken Jr. Cal, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Uh... When you get to the point in life where I am, all you have is those memories looking back. So you can continue on your introduction if you like. <laughs> I will say I can't continue on with the accolades because it would take the entire conversation up. There are so many. Rookie of the year. I mean, just an awesome, incredible career, Cal. So where where I want to start first is what is what's retired life for you? I feel like there's a lot of players that finish up and either go into the booth or into managing. And what is retired life for you like? Well, I mean, uh, I retired at 41. And uh, normally when someone thinks of retirement, it's like 65. I thought I had a, another opportunity to, to do something in business. So, you know, I got into the kids business. We got uh, into the minor league baseball business. Um, we built a wonderful foundation with my dad's uh, name and memory of my dad. So uh, I, I'm not looking for new things to do, but uh, – <laughs> I am 60, I'll turn 63 this summer, and I'm starting to feel like maybe I should start playing golf a little bit more. <laughs> uh, that's I feel like that's the retired baseball life, is just figuring out how to <laughs> golf and, and just playing every day. Uh, an, another Hall of Famer that I have on the show every single week, Cal, is John Smoltz. He's a weekly guest on the show, and I just recently spoke to him when I knew you were going to come on, and I asked him his favorite Cal Ripken Jr. story, and I want to play that for you now. We have that. Uh oh, and we were facing the Baltimore Orioles and Cal Ripken's coming to town, I think, for the first time ever. I was pretty jacked up. And lo and behold, 
Cal Ripken went six for six that game. <laughs> they scored 20 runs. So you can imagine how I felt when I exited the game. Oh, you were pitching that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started that game, and uh, I think he went three for three off of me. That's about all I could uh, muster up. I think I gave up a bunch of runs. They went on to win 20 to something. So uh, Cal Ripken certainly – when I thought about facing him and the icon that he is, I'm like, wow, this is going to be awesome. And then it was so uh, probably his favorite moment. And mine, I contributed to a little bit of history, I guess. I, I don't know that he ever went six for six before and or after, but he did that day. I was going to ask you, do you think when I ask him this question in reverse, his favorite John Smoltz story is going to be going six for six in a game? Uh, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that your favorite story? <laughs> For sure. Uh, remember it really well. Uh, later on in my career, interleague play just happened. We were really good. I think, and the Braves were constantly good. And uh, going in there, um, we wanted to test ourselves a little bit. And uh, facing Smoltzy, I, I caught a hanging slider. I think early in the game and hit it out of left field. And from that point on, it just seemed like uh, every every at bat it just got better and better. Will Clark was also in that game, and he went four for four. And then he said, uh, "You know, I want to come out and rest for the last four innings." I stayed in <laughs> and uh, got a couple more hits. So uh, yeah, six for six was a really special uh, time, and uh, and and I will remember that. And I will say that is one of my favorite moments. Yeah, you didn't do you didn't do a lot of resting. That's for sure. You, Cal, you're a kid from. You, you went to Aberdeen High School in Maryland. Um, you get drafted by the Baltimore Orioles out of Aberdeen High School, the hometown team. Did you, did you know heading into the draft that the Orioles, I imagine your favorite team, the hometown team, were a chance to draft you, or was that a random luck of the draw? Well, I mean, the Orioles had, had been drafting, or not drafting me, they have been watching me for a number of years. I got a chance to work out the stadium I don't know when I was a freshman. Um, I was able to reach the left field bleachers at 309 down the line. And I, I knew the Orioles had a scout watching me. Um, but when I got to my junior year of high school, um, I started pitching. And then uh, every time that uh, scouts came out to watch me play, I was pitching. And uh, I had a good arm. I was throwing the ball really well. So I created a lot more attention to the pitching area. So I thought that the chances of the Orioles getting me were going to be lower. I had other teams tell me they were thinking about taking me number one. But down deep inside, when it came to draft day, I think the Orioles had four number second-round picks as uh, part of a compensation. Um, and uh, they were drafted pretty low. But uh, I did have a chance to, uh, uh, to get drafted by them. And uh, down deep inside, I was really happy. Second round, I signed a contract really quickly and went off to Bluefield, West Virginia. Unbelievable. I, what, what a cool story. You get to the big leagues pretty quickly, win rookie of the year, and from there, the career was off and running. The you know 19 All-Stars, as I mentioned off the top, consecutive, which is unbelievable, which is a great streak in his own, its own right. But your streak, 2,632 games, started pretty quickly in your career and went for a long, long time. Cal, how the hell did you play so many games in a row? <laughs> you know, I, I never set out to do it. Most people think that I was obsessed with being in the lineup every day, but I would have, uh, I'll trade that out for more hits than Pete Rose or more home runs than Hank Aaron. Um, I just wanted to play and I wanted to keep getting better. And you, and you didn't know how, how good you were going to be. So when I think of the streak, uh, the managers are the ones that made the lineup uh, out. Earl, Earl Weaver uh, 
penciled me in for 160 of the first 162 games. I missed a couple games in April because I was struggling. But uh, from that point on, the managers kept writing my name in the lineup, and uh, I just kept playing. So I, I don't know if there's a secret, uh, per se. Uh, per se, I had uh, really good genes. Uh, I healed <laughs> really quickly. Sometimes you get hit with a pitch in the back of your hand, and some players would be out for uh, you know a week or so. It seemed like the mark on my hand went away like by the fifth inning. So uh, I, I was blessed with a good set of genes. And my dad was on the team. So uh, my dad was all about being a gamer, all, all about being there um, every day for your teammates and meet the challenge of today. And so with my dad sitting there, you know, uh, watching my every move, I didn't think I could uh, come out of the game and disappoint the uh, good old dad. So maybe the combination of those factors, having your dad there, uh, really established, uh, you know, me as an everyday player. You say it's about the managers, and Earl Weaver writes your name in for the strong majority at the beginning, and then it, it was off and running from there. But at what point do you remember the streak becoming like a thing? You know, everybody would, you know, managers will come to you, ask if you want an off day, but at a certain point, was it a year in? Was it five years in that the streak became a, a real thing that everybody knew about? Yeah, I, I think it wasn't until it was about a thousand games or so. I know that uh, it closed in on the National League record, and that people were talking about it as a streak. There were five straight years during that time frame that I didn't miss an inning, and uh, and I will tell you the logic behind that. When you you're in a blowout game, and you're not getting uh, you're not getting your swing down right, you know it was always an opportunity for me to stay in the game and try something new that might work for tomorrow. And if you were swinging about really well, you didn't want to come out. You just wanted to keep. Uh, um, getting your timing and kind of keep playing that out. So um, that was my reasons for staying in all that time. And and again, the managers, uh, when they sat down in the uh, their office making out the lineup to say who could help you win that particular day, I was always very thankful to be chosen. And I was getting better, and I was younger at that, uh, at that time frame. But I would imagine around 1,200 games or somewhere around there, the streak started to change a little bit because when I went into a slump, people would say that I should take a day off, I should get out of the lineup. Um, when we went through rebuilding processes, you know, so I should give somebody else a chance and do all those things. But I wanted to keep my uh, same attitude that I had right from the very beginning. And I always thought that was the right way to play. Um, Dad used to always say, you can't replay yesterday's game, although you can learn from it. And you can't play tomorrow's game before it gets here. So you might as well play this one. And that was my simple approach for all those years. When you got up to that number, 1,000, 1,200 in that range, when it really became a thing, were there any days where you did not feel like playing, but you just kept going because of the streak? Well, I never did it just because of the streak. Um, but there were days when it would have been easy to uh, come out. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we played 15 or 16 innings in Boston. We lost a really tough game. And we had to turn it around really fast because it was the Boston Marathon was in town and we had to play an 11 o'clock game. And by the way, oh, Roger Clemens was starting that game. <laughs> and I think I was 0 for 22 going uh, into that, that game. So I started to think with all the things uh, add up, I went, you know, it would be really good to let somebody else kind of meet this challenge. And so at those kind of low moments, you kind of started to think, but then you force yourself to go out and say, okay, look, in order to beat Roger, you got to put your best lineup out in the field. I thought I was part of the best lineup on the field. And in that particular day, I think I got two hits off of Raj, drove in the game-winning run, and we beat him. And so uh, when you do something like that, 
the next time that you feel like you could use a blow or you might uh, not be 100% or, you know, you're not swinging the bat too well, it's easy to remember those things and push forward. Was the – do you remember the day that you passed Lou Gehrig and it became official? Do you remember that day? <laughs> September 6th, 1995, yes. Um, I was hoping that whole year that uh, we would stay in the playoffs, we'd be good enough, uh, and it wouldn't be a focus on, you know, the uh, consecutive game streak, yeah. that it would just be an important series. And as we got closer to it, we kind of fell back. But the California Angels, you know, were in the uh, hunt for the uh, pennant that year. And it was always important for me as we celebrated that, which I can understand in hindsight looking back, people have their their feelings and they relate to the streak in many ways because they have their own streaks. That uh, they go to work, they don't miss school. You know, it's important to them to show up. And I and I understand the uh, the importance of that. But I wanted to be able to play well and I wanted our team to really play well. So that would be the focus instead of yeah. uh, in me for that September 5th, September 6th. And looking back... We swept the California Angels um, on 21-29, 21-30, and 21-31. I had a home run in each one of those games, and um, we pitched and played really well, and we won. So uh, I was particularly proud of that because, it, you know, in order to play all those games in a row, you have to be deserving to be in the lineup. And uh, I always uh, looked at myself as someone that uh, would be there and could be counted on your teammates each and every day. But it was still important for the play for you to play well and, and win, not just not just celebrate the uh, the game streak. You've mentioned him a few times, but your dad was one of the names that penciled you in that lineup quite a bit throughout that. Uh, how how awesome was it for you to play for your father in the big leagues? Yeah, it was uh, awesome, and uh, the timing that he got the job was uh, we were going through another rebuilding phase, and I don't think we admitted that uh, you know we didn't have enough talent. And I think it was unfair to him. He had too short of a stint. Um, Dad was the guy that ended my five-year consecutive inning streak. Um, it was in Toronto. We, uh, we, our pitching staff gave up 10 home runs uh, in the game to Toronto, I think three of them to Ernie Witt. And my dad came and tapped me on the, show, on the uh, shoulder and said, uh, do you, uh, um, how do you, how do you feel about missing an inning? And I said, well, what do you think? And he said, I think it would be good for you. And I said, okay. And that was uh, September of 1987. And uh, I felt really strange being out of lineup. Yeah. I remember uh, I got a chance to hit my last at bat and I was on base. My brother Billy brought my glove out to me and I had to tell him, oh, look, I'm out of the game. And it looked like he almost started crying. <laughs> and I almost started crying. And I didn't know what to do with myself. But uh, it was great to have your brother and you have your dad. Sometimes those great things, you don't realize how special they are until you don't have them anymore. Yeah. And uh, so looking back on it, I was really thankful to be with my dad in the big leagues because baseball took dad away from me in some senses when we were a kid. You know, I didn't have my dad there like yeah. other uh, young kids did because he had his own responsibilities. So, uh, you know, being able to join with him and learn learn him as, a, uh, as an adult and be a teammate of his and then have your brother there for uh, five years uh, as we were double play partners, uh, that's pretty darn special. Did you guys ever have any? There's a famous video of the Griffies, King Griffey Sr. and King Griffey Jr., where they're playing in the outfield together. And King Griffey Jr. calls off Sr., and they run off the field and get in the dugout, and Sr. tells him he's grounded when he gets back home. So was it, was it all baseball, or did anything family-oriented creep in at the baseball field? You know, uh, 
there were times when you knew that uh, it was your dad on the field. I mean, uh, one example would be your dad. My dad was in charge of uh, putting together batting practice, batting practice groups. He uh, he put me in the group with Eddie Murray, which I thought was really great for uh, uh, for me to be around Ed in that time. And also in spring training, when you had all the young guys coming in and wanted to try to show how how hard they threw in uh, in in um, we know it was batting practice, but I used to call it pitching practice, where we had to face the uh, the starters uh, early in spring training. Yeah. My dad always seemed to pick Scott McGregor or Jim Palmer, you know, for me to uh, to bat against yeah. because they had nothing to prove. They just threw the ball down the middle and got their work <laughs> in. Um, I didn't have to worry about facing somebody that threw a billion. That's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> thanks, Dad, for that one. Um, he took he took care of me in many ways. I tell you what, he was a man of few words. He didn't express his love, you know, like uh, in that generation. But when you hit a home run, especially my first one, coming around the bases, he was the first handshake that I uh, that I had. You know, nowadays I think they would hit a home run, they would shake hands with the bat boy, the first base coach, they might shake with the first base uh, player. But in those days, I got all the way around to third. My dad was the third base coach, and the first handshake I got was from my dad. And I swear that there was so much uh, love that was pouring out. Sometimes it doesn't all come in the uh, form of words. It was the expression, the look on his face, that he wasn't just a coach that was uh, was delivering it to a player. He was my dad delivering that message to me. That's so cool. It it, it just, the emotion takes over. And uh, I, I'll never forget, and I tell this story any chance I possibly can, because of course I do. I'm nine years younger than my brother. I've faced him once in my life in spring training. I hit a homer off of him. And his immediate reaction is frustration as a pitcher. He kicks the dirt as he always does. I've watched him kick the dirt a million times. Not that he's given up a million homers, Justin. But he was frustrated. Then I get around to home, and he, like, smiles at me. And I could just tell he was really proud as I walked off the field. And uh, we talked about it a lot that night. And I probably bring it up now more than he would care for me to bring it up. But it's still a great So, so give, me, give me the uh, situation. First pitch fastball? Yeah, so the situation was there. He was pitching in a, in a AAA game right next to me. I was over on the other field, actually, in the AA game. And I go up to my minor league, the, our field coordinator, and I said, I've never faced my brother in my life. Like, wiffle ball in the backyard as we're growing up, sure. But never him in a uniform, me in a uniform, mano a mano in the box. So he's like, well, go over there. But don't hit first in the inning because he'll see you on deck and he won't want to face you. In those spring training fields, you've seen them. They're not like real dugouts. You can stand like in the middle. So he goes, sure. hit second in the inning, and then when the first guy gets on or out, run, run into the box. First guy pops up to right field. Justin turns around to watch it. By the time he turns back around, I'm ready. I'm ready to go in the box. And he's like, oh, God. And I knew, look, he can't throw me a curveball first pitch. He just, he's, he can't. He's nine years older than me. He's established in the big leagues. I knew he was going to come fastball. And I knew it was going to be hard. And I had a feeling he was going to come inside because he wanted to break my bat and make me look stupid in front of all my friends. Well, that's what happened. He threw me a first pitch fastball inside, and I was—I actually inside outed it to deep right center field. I think it went like Ooh. 435 feet, probably the long one of the longer homers of my career, even though it was spring training. And touched home plate, ran back to my field, never faced him again. <laughs> that, that's a really good one to add to your book. <laughs> exactly. That's probably the best. That's at the top of the book for sure. Cal, your your brother Billy, I I love. I love this story, and it, the the timing is ironic because it was I think the year after your dad was no longer managing the team, 
He has probably one of the most famous baseball cards of all time. And for anybody that hasn't seen it, he's holding a bat, as most everybody does in a baseball card. And on the bottom of it, it reads, Fuckface, written in, in Sharpie. Were you responsible for this rookie card? Or, did, or not rookie card. Were you responsible for this card, and did you know it was happening? Um, no. The, uh, I think that was some <laughs> sort of rumor that was uh, passed around to take the pressure off. The reality is Billy wrote it on, on his bat himself. And the story <laughs> behind that is when you have all your bats in a barrel or a uh, shopping cart, sometimes you come down, it's hard to find your bat with all the numbers in there. Yeah. So when he was frustrated, and sometimes he blamed his bat for not getting any hits, he would write expressions on the bottom <laughs> of his bat. Now, they wouldn't all be that expression, but in this particular time, he felt uh, motivated to write that expression on his bat. And then he would come down and pick it up and go, oh, here's mine. And he would walk out in the field. So a lot of us would be looking at him going, you know, you're rubbing it in and all that kind of stuff. But then he went out and accidentally put his bat on his shoulder. <laughs> the picture was taken. Now, in some ways, it was almost too perfect, you know, because he wrote it in thin Sharpie. Not, uh, It seemed like it, had, it was uh, emboldened a little bit. So I don't know whether somebody caught it. They might have enhanced <laughs> it uh, just for the collectible value or something. He was really embarrassed, to be honest with you, uh, but not that embarrassed where he didn't give one card out uh, at his wedding as a groomsman's gift. <laughs> so, uh, and I got one of those too, so I have one. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Cal, I mentioned you were 19-time All-Star consecutive, and I think one of the most famous moments in All-Star game history is your final one in your age 40 season. You hit a homer in, the, in your final All-Star game appearance. How... How awesome was that? And what were the emotions for you, that hole at bat, hitting the ball, rounding the bases? What what were your thoughts and emotions there? Well, there was a lot of emotions that were already happened during the course of that year. Um, I wasn't sure how much I had left in my tank. Um, um, and uh, um, we started the season. I broke my rib actually on the basketball court uh, in my house, you know, about uh, 13 days before spring training. So I was late to spring training as far as a player. Had 20-some at-bats that I was ready, but I wasn't. And uh, as I started out, we, the, it was obvious the Orioles were going to go into another rebuilding situation. So I announced my retirement early on in June that year. And uh, I wasn't hitting real well. As soon as I announced my retirement, I started to get it, started to hit pretty well. And I kept thinking, you know, I've been to every All-Star game, you know, since my uh, second year. And I started to think, you know, I'd love to get back one more time. And uh, I was voted in at the end. Uh, I, I ended up winning out at third base. And the cool moment you're talking about was uh, while I was over there at third, Alex was a shortstop. Yep. Alex came over and told me to play, you know, inning it uh, short. And I thought, uh, you know, that was the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> and uh, until he pointed to Joe Torrey and said, uh, look at Joe. And Joe is like saying, go over there. And I'm thinking, God, I pride myself on kind of knowing what happens, you know, in, uh, in, in, uh, around the baseball field. But I had no idea. I thought everybody knew but me. And then I had no choice. And I had this big old glove on my hand that uh, we nicknamed Funk. <laughs> but I went to third base, and I'm thinking, how am I going to play short with this thing? And then I looked at Roger Clemens, um, second time I mentioned him today. Um, I said, Roger, it looks like you're going to have to strike out the side. He laughed. I went there thinking, okay, you know, um, I can catch a ground ball. I can throw it to first base. But I didn't care if I got a ball or not. And totally, we got two outs. And I started to think, man, this feels comfortable again. And – and I started moving a little bit. I started uh, anticipating and taking chances. I didn't get my ground ball. 
But uh, when I think back on it, it was a it was a wonderful tribute, you know, all the way around because the success I had at, at shortstop position as a larger guy might have uh, you know changed the mindset a little bit or or made people think of it where they could uh, you know give somebody else a chance at shortstop as opposed to uh, you know saying that you're too big to play shortstop, move to third or move to first. So I felt um, pretty proud of being able to to uh, um, maybe at most, because I think Derek and Alex and all those guys, they would have paved their own way. But I, I felt really proud that uh, that a change occurred and maybe the position is looked at a little bit differently uh, now than it used to be. Yeah. That, that All-Star game was so special for so many reasons. As you mentioned, is after you announced your retirement. So that one was very special in its own right. But of the other 18 prior to that one, do you have a favorite moment that sticks out to you from those? Yeah, the favorite one was uh, 91. Um, I was uh, coming into the All-Star game, I was sitting 349. You know, in nosebleed section, never been there before. Um, everything was going right for that year. Um, I qualified to be in the home run derby. I led off for the home run uh, side. And I kept thinking, I don't want to mess my swing up. And so let me just take a regular round of batting practice. And I hit a line drive in the center field bleachers for the first uh, swing. And I started adding a little bit more on. At one point, I hit seven in a row out and broke a record at the time in the other format where I had 12 home runs in the uh, All-Star game or in the home run derby. I ended up winning the home run derby. <laughs> Coming into the game, um, I had a three-run homer off of Dennis Martinez that uh, gave us a, uh, a lead. Um, and uh, I had two hits. I was two for three in that ball game. And I remember uh, Rob Dibble, they brought Rob Dibble in, in the game, and I started to walk towards home plate, first and second, no outs. And Tony LaRusso whistled at me and said, come back over. You know, and I was like looking at him and kind of thinking, wait a minute, I'm hot. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going up there to hit. And Ozzie Guillen pops out of the dugout and he runs up and he pinch hits for me at that moment. Ozzie bunted uh, the runners over. I think Harold Baines pinch hit for Cecil Fielder. Um, or, and uh, he had a sack fly and we got a, a fourth run in there. But I, I haven't forgiven Tony LaRusso <laughs> for that. Uh, I was thinking, are you watching? I had all three balls hard. You know, the reason we're winning is because I had a three-run homer, and now I got a chance to a first and second no outs. Um, and he goes, no, no, we're going to play for one run. So he, so he, he had Ozzy bunt. So anyway, that was still my favorite All-Star game. Cal, we're not too far away from this year's All-Star game, actually back up in Seattle this year. Um, what's the story behind you teaming up with Sage for this year's All-Star game? Well, I mean, Sage was a new uh, uh, um, sponsorship with, uh, with MLB. And, uh, and so I was brought on board to help uh, create some unique opportunities uh, to, to, to celebrate that partnership. And one of them is uh, an opportunity to meet me at the All-Star Game. And so it's particularly special to me because Seattle was my last one. I had a home run there. Um, I'm going to spend probably a week out there just, uh, just enjoying the, uh, the West Coast. But uh, I haven't been back to that ballpark uh, in a while. And uh, just, just in my own mind, remembering Channel Park came in for Randy Johnson. And I was thinking, just like you thought about your brother, that, uh, okay, first, I'm facing him the first pitch. He's going to want to try to get ahead of me. It's hard to see because of the shadows. I'm going to look for this first pitch fastball. And I was on time with it, hit a home run. So I know I ran around the bases that time, and I thought I was the, uh, um, one of the fastest guys on the field just because it felt like I, <laughs> I was barely touching the ground. But uh, – what a wonderful experience. Um, 
and I get a chance to relive it again uh, this year. You know, Sage, it was kind of cool. We had a campaign early in the season on opening day where, uh, um, in, in, in a way, I'm encouraging people in the workforce, you know, um, to take a, to play hooky on, uh, on opening day, like <laughs> sneak away from your job. But really, it was rewarding really good uh, employees and giving them the opportunity to go to opening day. So I had a chance to call them, cold call them, and uh, on camera, uh, deliver the news that, uh, that they were going to opening day. And that was a pretty cool thrill. Um, um, I know as a baseball player, there's a thrill at playing in the, in the uh, opening day. And sometimes it's kind of nerve wracking because it's, it's more like an event, you know, and you, and you just want to get into the grind of the season. You, want, you don't want all these uh, introductions. But as a fan's perspective, opening day is the start of the season. And, uh, and no matter what team you're rooting for, everybody's tied for first place in the first day and everybody has all this optimism and hope. So I really enjoyed that opportunity that Sage gave me to, uh, to, to create those, uh, those experiences for uh, baseball fans. Why is Sage the right partner for this project, you think? Well, I mean, um, they, they didn't have bus much business over here. So I think they were using MLB uh, for that platform, which I think is great. We happened to, you know, they're a software company. We happened to use them at Ripton Baseball. So I was familiar and I guess I was the activating uh, 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 person. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that I would be able to be helpful and, and to, to give uh, attention to a really good company, but also to really provide good experiences for uh, the fans. So I've enjoyed the relationship. I've enjoyed the partnership and I hope it continues. Cal, something really cool for me in my life that I'll forever remember directly involves you and what you've done in Aberdeen with the Ripken experience. And I grew up as a kid playing travel ball in Virginia. And we, a couple of years, went up to the Ripken experience and it was fairly new at the time. I remember playing at Fenway Park, same, not same dimensions, but same setup. There's a big wall out in left field, playing at Wrigley Field where the Ivy was still growing in out there. Um, tell me about you starting the Ripken experience and, and why you wanted to start it? Yeah, I mean, when Billy and I uh, ended our careers, Billy was a little bit shorter, you know, than me. Um, dad used to have this uh, this baseball school that Dad that that, uh, that uh, Billy took over, um, and we wanted to actually because we realized we had the uh, encyclopedia of baseball as Dad, um, and most kids don't grow up with that. And most kids don't have the opportunity to experience what Billy and I had to experience in the minor leagues and also in the big leagues. So we wanted to create an experience that would make the kids feel like the big leagues. And part of that unique experience is to, is to play in these different ballparks where the game can be played, you know, slightly different. Or, uh, first time I went to Fenway for real, I couldn't believe how close the big green monster was standing behind me at, uh, at shortstop. And, Many times, the fly ball that was hit where the left fielder has to go up there and try to make a catch against the wall, the shortstop can be the first one to the ball off the carom if you anticipate <laughs> that. So it just provides some unique opportunities in, in those environments to play. And we wanted to give that experience to the kids. So theming a ballpark can be expensive. So you had to cut corners here and there, but we still wanted to give them that experience. And uh, the Ivy hasn't fully grown in you know, yet <laughs> like we wanted it to. We wanted to have the kids reach in to grab the ivy or have the ball get stuck in the ivy. Just things that are different um, that you bring, you celebrate because all ballparks uh, have their own character to, uh, to themselves. And that makes for a unique experience. So that, that's Billy and I's vision 
was to bring a big league experience and some of the amenities that we have in the big leagues to the kids and kind of have them enjoy the game the way, the way that we were able to. Well, I'm sure you've heard this from a ton of kids, but you know, from me personally, I'm 31 years old now, and that has always meant so much to me to play in that tournament and get to play in the big ballpark at the end. I believe the championship game was on the Aberdeen Ironbirds field in that stadium. And then full circle moment for me, one of my first ever professional games was against the Aberdeen Ironbirds in that stadium. So just the entire experience that you have created there will forever have a lasting memory in, in my mind. That was part of it is you can dream being on the kid's side, getting a big league experience, but you can look to the uh, minor league stadium and say, okay, that's professional baseball over there. And, uh, you know, um, I think all the kids, we wanted the kids to look over and say, someday I want to be in professional baseball and I want to play there. Yeah, and that's ex- that's exactly what happened. Uh, do you do you own? Are you part owner or are you the owner of the Aberdeen Ironbirds still? I, I remember playing there yes. and hearing that yes. you were. You still are? Yes, we had uh, at one point we had three of the uh, minor league teams. We had Augusta Green Jackets, we had the uh, Charlotte uh, Stone Crabs, but we had uh, we had sold uh, Augusta and and Charlotte. We kept Aberdeen. Aberdeen's my hometown, and uh, it's uh, it's a community gathering point for the uh, for the people of Harford County and Aberdeen, Maryland. So uh, I have I have a special pride in that place. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, the, the current Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles, now Cal, they are rolling they're an awesome team in your opinion how far can this baltimore orioles team go could they win this crazy al east uh of course they can you know and they uh they have a group of talented players that uh mike elias has done a good job of uh putting together you know they've had good draft picks number one but they they really executed uh well and drafted uh well um and then they grabbed other players uh, that had good stuff from uh, other organizations to kind of piece them in. And the pieces all seem to fit. And watching them, they're a really entertaining team to watch. Um, they, they, it's almost like when I look back, when we went through a couple of rebuilding um, processes, 1989, for example, was the why not year. We surprised everybody and we went to the last day of the season, you know, uh, before the pennant was uh, won with, uh, with Toronto. But uh, as we went on, our young talent started to get their feet underneath them and they started to believe in themselves. And we just started winning. And we just kept on winning all the way to, uh, you know, to the end. We came up a little short, but I can see that with the Orioles now. Gunnar Henderson is a terrific prospect. Um, got off to a little bit slower start, seemed to be a little unsure about himself. But watching him now, he had a great month of June. Um, he's, he's certainly going to be uh, somebody to watch for many, many years. Um, Adley Rushman, uh, you, you know, they, uh, you know, a two way, a switch hitter, a uh, catcher that probably maybe his biggest value might not be with the bats, but how he handles the pitching staff. So they have a chance. They, uh, they're positioned really well. The Tampa ball, ball club continues to be, uh, yeah. to be good despite, uh, a little bit less resources than say the Yankees or some other teams, but, uh, the American league East is good, but the order's got a shot. You ever get out to Camden Yards much anymore? Yeah, I mean, I still have front row seats that uh, that I pay for each and every uh, year. Yeah. And uh, over the years, I haven't got out to a whole lot of games. But this year, uh, I've been out a few more times. Awesome. And it's fun to watch. It's exciting to be there. So, uh, yeah, I plan to go a little bit more. Cal, this has been a blast of a conversation, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Of course. See ya. All right, just wanted to thank Cal again for joining me. What an awesome conversation. It truly was a full life 
circle for me to start growing up playing at the Ripken experience playing at the Ironbird Stadium and then having Cal Ripken Jr. on Flippin' Bats was so cool hearing him talk about the streak and how he thought it was going to end on the day that he was facing Roger Clemens because he was 0 for 22 against him but my favorite part was that his clear favorite part of the conversation was my story about hitting the home run off of my brother. But that's just the kind of person that Cal Ripken Jr. is. So thanks again for him for joining me. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And you can watch everything on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, my friends. Peace.